everyone. Welcome to Back to the Vax podcast. I'm Lydia Green, one of your hosts. And I am Heather Simpson, the other host. Heather and I uh, met on the internet. We are both uh, former anti-vax parents. Uh, I have been uh, writing articles and had an interview with NPR. And I saw Heather's story on Voices for Vaccines when uh, Chelsea Clinton retweeted it. And I had to find her. So that's what I did. I asked around. I'm like, how do I find this lady? She's got a story pretty much like mine. So, yeah. Yes. That's how we met. And we decided um, that we needed to do something about it and hopefully help other parents that might be in our situation where they're reconsidering uh their views on vaccines. And so, yeah, we hope we can be relatable to you guys and be entertaining somewhat. <laughs> yeah. We're actually becoming good friends through this all, which is, is nice. It's always nice to have a new friend. So. Yeah. It's, it's been fun. Heather, can you share what your, uh, catalyst into anti-vax life was and then I'll share mine yeah so I grew up vaccinated I I was talking to my mom about this the other day I want to say in college she gave me the option of getting my meningitis shot because I was already 18 and I'm pretty sure I turned it down just because I didn't like the needles um which is really stupid looking back uh, I ended up getting my Tdap when I was like 23 because I thought I scratched myself with rusty metal. I didn't actually, but that's how that's how over the top cautious I was. And then I got a flu shot a couple of years later for school. I just didn't think much about it. I just thought these are shots. This is what you do. Like everything is fine. Uh, me and my husband started watching this docu-series on vaccines that came across, I think, an, as an ad on Facebook. And it was so compelling. It was like nine hours of just, well, looking back, just crap. <laughs> they blamed everything on vaccines. So by the time you're done watching it, you're just like, oh my God, I can't, I can't vaccinate. I'm not going to do this to my kid. Like they just convinced me because it wasn't just regular people. It was a bunch of doctors talking on this long documentary and just blaming all of these things on vaccines, diseases, and um, issues that I would have thought you were born with. They're saying, no, it's from vaccines. So by the time we were done with that, I was fairly convinced. And then after that, I started researching on my own and um, like I told Voices for Vaccines, you can find anything that you want when you research. I mean, you can spin anything that you want to fit your narrative and what you're looking for. And so I would find the research that these anti-vaxxers will claim as their research too and use it to support my new belief system. And so we did not vaccinate my daughter. Um, she was born, we turned on the hep B. We did the vitamin K, which later I found out that anti-vaxxers are against for the most part as well. Um, but we did do that and they actually blamed her jaundice on that and everything. But that's 
a story for a different time. And uh, yeah, and so yeah, that's how that's how that happened. So what about you? Tell me, you've you were an anti-vaxxer for a long time before this year. Yeah, so I had my daughter in 2008. She, I was pro-vax before then. I even worked as a, a quality control chemist for a pharmaceutical plant. So, like, I didn't really question vaccination. I was pretty pro-science. Um, and then I had my daughter, and then I got her vaccinated, and she had a reaction. She screamed and screamed, and then, you know, got really quiet at times and would just sleep this really deep sleep. And it scared me. She wouldn't look at me anymore. She just didn't seem to, she didn't seem herself, you know. And and so when I called the health nurse and, and she had assured me that, or she thought she was assuring me that everything was fine, but I just felt really blown off. And, and so I looked at the internet for answers because I feel like I didn't have the right answer at the time. And, uh, I found the answer. They filled it in. It was DTAP crime. Heather, I'm sure, you know, being in the anti-vax groups, like that's a huge thing. Yeah. That DTAP cry reaction. They, they talk about it often. You hear the horror stories and eventually you walk away thinking that your child had a near death experience. Um, so yeah, that's what started me on that, uh, journey. And then I, I wasn't even a hundred percent anti-vax at first. I was going to just spread the shots out. And so I took her for her four month shots, but I skipped DTAP at that time. And, uh, then after that, I just kept reading stories and I couldn't bring myself to vaccinate my daughter anymore. And then I went on to have two more children. Uh, my, uh, her little brother was born when she was seven and then her other little brother was born when she was 10 and I didn't vaccinate them either. And then over the years, I kind of thought I was being open-minded because every year I kind of questioned my choices, but I always looked at anti-vax material to answer those questions. So I kept on with the anti-vax stance and then COVID happened. And I thought, well, you know, maybe if we lose everything like infrastructure and healthcare, I might wish I had vaccinated. And uh, yeah, so I uh, just just started re- rethinking my stance. Um, yeah, that's why I stopped vaccinating. And then, yeah, the catalyst into vaccination, which I will get you to share. But yeah, my catalyst back into vaccination was COVID. And I was, I have a, I actually have a supply closet that can last for three months because I was not, I was so unsure of the economy that I wanted to make sure I could feed my family for a few months when they were rationing, rationing, um, milk and meat at the grocery store and toilet paper was gone for whatever reason people thought they could live with that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So <laughs> the great toilet paper shortage of 2020. <laughs> Me go start vaccinating my children. <laughs> oh, that's so ridiculous! But yeah, that's, that's what happened. Yeah. So. Oh my gosh. Well, and it did happen in Venezuela. In Venezuela, diphtheria and measles came back with a vengeance because they their vaccination programs came to a halt, and uh, it. it 
came back there. And that's what I, that's what I was drawing from was like, Oh crap, this could happen. It happens in other areas and we're not infallible. I mean, you hope yeah, we are, but you just don't our know. Economies, you know, can take a hit just like anywhere else. And it started worrying me. And that's when I started considering vaccinating my children again. What about you? What, did, what, what, what triggered it? Like the, I think, to be honest, it was probably so I've always had this really, well, I wouldn't say irrational, but uh, maybe irrational fear of tetanus. But like um, my daughter, you know, loves to play with puppies. And I just I hear horror stories. Well, if the dog bites you, it's a it's a tetanus risk. Even like a cat scratch could be a tetanus risk. So I just um, have this revelation. Like, I think it was November. I mean, I had been reading Provax material all this past year, but she was playing with this cat that we found. And I was talking to her pediatrician later that week. And I was just like, I have this fear that she's going to get scratched because we ended up keeping the cat at the time. And get tetanus and the pediatrician was like well you know there's a fix for that <laughs> and I was just like yeah I know but tetanus that scares me still even though I, I'm learning and she said your daughter is three and a half years old like she's gonna be fine and it just kind of all hit me that everything I had been reading about you know pro-vaccination sources that I had been reading mm -hmm. kind of Everything hit at one time where I was just like, wow, this could really relieve a lot of fear. There is an answer <laughs> to not yeah. having to worry about tetanus. This is not something I have to think about when my kid is playing outside. If she's going to cut herself in the swing set, I shouldn't be thinking tetanus. This is so simple. Why am I living like this? I know she's going to be fine. My pediatrician knows she's going to be fine. I just realized I don't need to be doing this to myself. Yeah. 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 I, and I, when I was doing my Provax research recently, I remember feeling so mad when I stumbled upon multiple stories of children, unvaccinated children getting tetanus. And they did all of the yeah. woo that promised me that my children wouldn't get tetanus. So they, it was a shallow wound just to like a scraped knee. So, you know, you hear like, if it's a shallow wound that the child does not, you know, have a risk for tetanus. Well, I found a couple of stories on one of them specifically in Italy where a girl scraped her knee and she ended up getting tetanus from that. Right. Another boy stubbed his toe. So it was a pr pretty superficial wound. He ended up getting tetanus from that. Another boy, um, he, uh, cut his forehead and his parents, um, cleaned it out with, I think, colloidal silver. They washed it out. They let it bleed. That's the other thing they say to do if you get a cut and you want to prevent tetanus. The boy right. ended up coming down with tetanus. They they actually were so phobic of doctors. They stitched it up themselves. That's like insanity to me. But <gasps> you can see where... That's like, horrible. That's where, oh, my God. That's where an anti-vax movement goes, though. You get so, like, scared of 
mainstream medicine that you start doing these crazy things yourself. And I can kind of see, I don't think I would have ever done that to my children, but I can see like how that gets to that point. Um, so yeah, I, I just remember right. being really mad. Like I cannot believe I thought I could do prevent tetanus by doing this stuff when that's, I'm sure it may lower the risk. I don't know, but I'm saying like, it's not a guarantee. And there's plenty of like case reports out there where children came down, unvaccinated children came down with tetanus because uh, of superficial wounds that, you know, so yeah, I'm kind of glad I came around on that before something happened. Yeah. I want to read that. That's really cool. And I, I would have friends that would say, well, tetanus has been almost eradicated. Like you don't need to get this vaccine. Um, you don't need to worry. Almost no one gets tetanus anymore. And I would have these moments where I was just thinking, well, isn't that because of the vaccine? But I would just kind of push that logical thought out of my brain for yeah. years. Yeah. That would make too much sense. It's because of proper <laughs> Because of sanitation, not the vaccine. <laughs> right. Like Clearly, you just, have, you just yes. tell yourself these I'm things. So like, well with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I remember being really upset about that. So another. So this is our first podcast, and we we're. I was thought it would be good to take a couple questions from some of the people I know online, and one of them asks. What do you think of those who tell us that we shouldn't even be using the term anti-vaxxers? That's my my friend Rose. I, I want to say she calls herself Rose Wind and not Rose Wind, but, you know, the word goes both ways. And I think that is a very old idea, and it is to deflect from the fact that you are an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> because at the time, I wanted to be called uh, a pro informed consent advocate. I don't know. You probably were the same <laughs> way. And but if you ever asked me, like, is there a vaccine you trust, or what could you do to, or what could you do to make a vaccine that you trust? Nothing would be good enough. So I clearly was an anti-vaxer because at that time I thought they were all dangerous, and I would never trust a pharmaceutical company to make a quote unquote safe vaccine so for me i was an anti-vaxxer and i even have I a old too, mothering yeah. post where i go on <laughs> i just wish they wouldn't call us anti-vaxxers it's just to shut down the conversation i had that and uh <laughs> that's from 2012 by the way so if you think that's an original thought post that year it's not because right. i have a post on mothering that says that clearly so, and I'm sure other people before then were saying, I really wish they didn't use that word, but I was an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> it's a hated word. They don't want to be called that. I, I don't know why they hate it so much. Yeah, they, they hate it. They think it's just a tool from Big Pharma used to separate us and make them out to be crazy. But you're right. A lot of times when you say, well, what? what could you do to make the vaccine acceptable to you? They'll say nothing because at the heart of it, they don't believe we need any help that they believe our immune systems are enough. They are literally anti-vaccination. Uh, that is that's what they are on a literal level. Yeah. You don't really get to use what you're called. And even, 
like today volume right today right now people are saying right no to covid vaccination but they were like i know at the greener vaccine campaign they were like we want a vaccine with no preservatives and no metals and and then so here's the here's the moderna Mm -hmm. and the pfizer vaccine there's no preservative it's literally rna with a lipid coating some buffer and a stabilizer that's it so (laughs) there's like it's removed all of these ingredients that anti-vaxxers were concerned with and now they don't want that vaccine either so i just i am sure it will never ever be good enough for them because it was never back then it would have never been same here and they are now saying that the covid vaccine is not a vaccine at all and that it's the worst one of all and it just goes to show that even without the adjuvants that they hate (laughs) they still hate it they can't point one thing that they hate they just hate the concept yeah it doesn't matter so they are in fact anti-vaxxer that is what they are yeah (laughs) i mean like anyone i think they just want to be heard and they think that that term stops them from being heard but i think they just need to own it i honestly don't think the pro-informed consent term helps much either that's come to be kind of a hand-in-hand turn with term with Mm anti-vaxxers yeah people know what what you are even when you use pro-medical freedom they know that's what that means and i'm i'm still not for mandates I don't think mandates and forced vaccination are the same thing. Right. Um, I think education's the way to go. I think when you start like putting people into a corner, they start getting more extreme. So I don't think it's really helpful. But um, defensive, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I think once you're in, once you paint yourself into that corner, it's very hard to find your way out because you do feel attacked at all angles. It's hard. It is so hard. Because I just, I remember just feeling anytime somebody talked about vaccination around me, I just remember feeling so like instantly defensive and instantly shut down. Just like. Right. I'm here. It's so it's really, that's why we started this, I think, too, because I think we, we understand how people feel when they're in that mindset. I just wrote something the other day. Um, online about how even though I logically can say I know vaccines are safe and effective, it is so hard because I've read all these horror stories when I was in the anti-vax community. Even though Mm -hmm. causation was never proven, I still have that emotional response that I had to those stories. It's really hard to separate that fear that I developed towards vaccines from the logic. I can logically know the mechanics of a vaccine with those mechanics. There's no way for those injuries to happen, but that fear is very tangible. It's really hard to separate. So I have so much empathy for anti-vaxxers that a lot of them maybe want to vaccinate. They want to, you know, be a normal part of society, but that fear is so overwhelming. It is so hard to separate. (laughs) I I mean, 
I, I wrote, it's hard to separate vaccines from death in my mind because that's what they drill into you. That if you vaccinate, your kid is going to um, die of SIDS or die of XYZ. It's such an emotional thing when you're in the anti-vax community that it is very hard to come out of it and to retrain your brain to not believe that way or feel that way. Yeah. So, yeah, we've been there. <laughs> I, yeah, I've been there. I, I, I have, like, I'm a bit further ahead uh, than you are in this journey. And I just remember my first time vaccinating my children. I needed a, uh, an Ativan to get through it. Because right. I was just, it, it was so counter intuitive so to speak like i just it was against what i had thought for so long it was very very difficult and um yeah it's it wasn't easy for me to do that first appointment after i saw they were okay it was easier but like that very first one i couldn't sleep for a month leading up to that appointment it was it was very psychologically uncomfortable yeah your body is still reacting to that fear it's hard yeah. I I didn't even that first night I checked on my kids. So it was like, right. Just don't care. I'm sorry, I didn't catch that last part. Oh, I was just saying just to make sure and that that's why we made this podcast just to connect with you guys and to tell you that we made it out alive and if you are on the fence or mm-hmm. just coming out of the anti-vax world, you're not alone. It is a hard decision to make. And we get it totally. That was really an unexpected benefit to vac- coming back to vaccinations and just science-based medicine in general is just not the relief of not having to feel like you have to defend every thing you do. Like it's just right, like a breath of fresh air. It was nice. Having the support system. It is nice. And just trusting again. Like when I go to my doctor, when I go to, when I take my kids to the doctor or I go to the doctor and just like not feeling like they're the enemy is huge. Right. It's a big deal. Like I could write an entire story of like just giving my son, instead of like, looking up all these wacky like natural cures for something as simple as constipation um just going to the pediatrician and being like hey my son has issues and he's like hey try Miralax and you're like okay (laughs) I'm not like we have to look it up and research believing all these crazy stories you hear about something as simple as Miralax right yeah and just and there's a group against Miralax by the way yeah (laughs) That's that's a real group, and it, it is. It's, yes, of course there is. And so, just giving my son Miralax and it working, and being like, yes, and it's flavorless, and I don't have to hide it, and I don't have to convince him to take it. And it's, it's beautiful, and that's awesome. So wonderful. <laughs> no, I love being able to trust allopathic medicine again, and um, yeah, it's it's great. Yeah, there's something so freeing about just taking the medicine the doctor gives you without Googling it for three hours and having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's nice. 
to yeah. not be the one, the one with and the final it working and going. Um, uh-huh. And it's funny because the other, the other way you have to try and try and try and it fail and fail and fail. And then at the end of it, you just feel like a horrible failure because you couldn't naturally make your kid feel better, whatever that means. Cause like nature wants to kill us all by the way, but I couldn't use right. all this stuff to like make my child better. So I'm like, you end up feeling like so heartbroken and, and like a failure. It's after awful. Like and that, people so. look for natural solutions for everything. Like I was in a mom's group and people will post things such as my, my, my daughter has a 105 fever. What oil should I use? Well, I feel like you should go to the ER. <laughs> it's just, um, there is a time and place. For yeah. <laughs> have you tried, have you tried anything? <laughs> have you tried, have you tried Motrin or something? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Steph, have you tried not being on yeah. Facebook right now? And it's so great. It works. It feels better. Yeah. It's just, it, I don't know. It, it helps your kid feel better. It's, it's fine. Better. You're not a failure because you gave right. your kid some Tylenol. It's okay. I and I, and I, I'm not saying that like making fun of anybody. Like I was that parent. I was the parent that was trying so hard not to try any pharmaceutical to treat my kid for anything. So yeah, it, it just give your kid Motrin. You'll feel so much better. And you're not a failure if you do. Right. You gave them something that made them feel better. That's a win. That's what we're supposed to do as mothers is make our kids that feel better. That is something that the crunchy community, it was like, Filled with shame and guilt. Suffering's a part of childhood. <laughs> Let them have measles. Like, no, I don't want my kid to have but measles. We have Why would I do that? Like, there's enough suffering. I have three kids. I'll tell you right now. I'll tell you right now. There's enough suffering between all the bugs they pick up their first year of preschool and their first year of kindergarten. There's enough suffering to go around. You don't have to let your kid get measles. It's fine. Right. <laughs> like, it's not. It, it's not. It's not going to let them. You know, they're not going to have a total sterile right. childhood because they didn't get measles. There's they will suffer in other ways. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> don't worry. If you want your kids to practice their, here's my here's my tip. For your kids to practice using their immune system. It never <laughs> fails. Go to a McDonald's with a play place and let them play in the ball pit. I guarantee that <laughs> night their immune system will be, they will be spiking a fever and throwing up everywhere. Hands down, every time my kids have picked up anything like that, it's been from the McDonald's oh, play place. So. You don't need to let them catch measles. Oh, it's just so gross. <laughs> oh, man. It's so true, yeah. though. That's what happened when I was a kid, too. Yeah. That's how to get a stomach virus yeah. 101. <laughs> yeah. So gross. And, like, I live in a pretty isolated community. So, like, every time we travel, we stop at the McDonald's with the play place to let the kids. Because I have to travel, like, I think to my, my husband's mom's place is, like, a oh. seven-hour drive. So we have to stop, right? So we always stop at like 
McDonald's play plays because you want to let them run. If it's winter, especially, right. you want to let them run around and blow off some steam while you're trapped in the car. And then sure enough, like the day after we get there, they come down with some mm-hmm. horrible stomach virus. McDonald's is a place for stomach viruses. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So you don't need to go to a pox party. I probably picked up chicken pox from McDonald's as a kid. I would bet. Before that. Yeah. I believe it. Um, any time. So my kid, all three of my kids have had roseola, which is like a really common, uh, childhood virus. There's no vaccine for it. And it's pretty, it's pretty mild. Like you get that really high mysterious fever and then they break out in the rash after and you're like, Oh, roseola. And every single time, each of my kids have had Rosiola. We went to a restaurant and they sat in the the restaurant's high chair. Oh, like oh each of my, my kids, gosh. I I can like trace it back to the the. High oh my the gosh, that's yeah. funny. Oh man, yeah, yeah. So don't worry, your kids their their, their immune systems are going to get a workout. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Don't stress. Don't stress. Um, It'll get theirs. It's good. We don't need we don't need to catch diphtheria. It's fine. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> what a treat. Um, I mean we're nearing thirty-four minutes. So we are. How should we sign off? This is our first podcast and I think it went pretty good. And uh we hope to bring more stories. I have I've gotten to know quite a few uh, scientists over the last year. So I have a lot of people to invite on the podcast. Heather's met a few people. She's got a few people to invite on the podcast. We also have moms that are like us who have changed their mind to invite on the podcast. We hope everyone wants to come listen to our podcast and and meet these people and and, uh, learn some things too. Yeah. Yes, thank you so much, guys. I'm excited uh, for this podcast and for the people that we get to interview. This is going to be fun.